How's it going? My name is Stacy and I work at Lowe's. Get a jump on your summer to-do list with unbeatable savings. Right now, choose 18-month special financing on purchases of $299 or more when you use your Lowe's Consumer Credit Card. Plus, come in and get 15% off Energy Star appliances or 10% off all other major appliances priced $397 or more. Start your summer with savings this weekend at Lowe's. Lowe's, let's build something together. Offers valid 52611 to 53011. Special financing cannot be combined with 5% off everyday credit offers. See store for details. Welcome to More Than A Few Words, a marketing podcast for small business owners. My name is Lorraine Ball, and I help small businesses become big businesses. And today is our first podcast with our new format. Instead of a three- to five-minute quick conversation that's pre-recorded, we thought we would experiment with live radio. And so today, Allison Carter. Hello. And Jay Mattingly. How is it going? and I are going to talk about small business blogging. You can, obviously, if you're listening to the program, you know how to find us, but you can also call in with your questions, or you can send us a tweet, um, tag it with MTFW. You can direct it at me, you can direct it at Allison or Jay, or you can post it on your blog. While you're getting that information ready, why don't we take some of the questions that were sent to us in advance. Jay, what's on the list? Well, I I wanted to uh, do this first podcast and kind of talk about some of the most frequent questions that I get asked when we begin developing a site, and people that are new to blogging are are kind of hesitant to get into the format. They're afraid that they won't be able to do it or do it well. So some of the questions that I receive, obviously the big one is, you know, I'm not a blogger. And a lot of people are hesitant to blog because they feel like if they aren't web designers, they're not capable of doing so. And my answer to that is you may not be a blogger, but you are an expert. And because you're an expert in your field, you have relevant information and relevant content to push out there to people that are interested in what you're talking about. Now, for somebody who doesn't necessarily know right away what to write about, think about what you have expertise in. And think about some of the other things that you use to market your products. Do you have a brochure or some kind of print material? Do you write articles for for magazines? You can repurpose that content. Allison, what kind of things do you suggest to um, to clients that they should think about if they're blogging? One great thing that we encourage people to do is, you know, every day we write emails to clients explaining things. You know, maybe you're explaining the way that a certain loan process works. For us, maybe we're explaining what we're talking about right now. Save that stuff that you're emailing to your clients. You can repurpose that for your blog, and that's a very simple way to jump into it. Cool. Uh, Jay, what was one of of the questions that somebody else has already sent us? Uh, Yeah, Robbie Slaughter asked, how can I increase engagement on my blog? I think, you know, and I think that's that's always a challenge because people expect that they're going to put a blog post out there, and right away people are going to be commenting. And it really takes a long time because... The majority of people are, I think what you would call collectors or curators, they read a lot of content, but they don't often feel compelled to respond. It doesn't mean that they're not reading. So the first way to build engagement is build content. I think the second strategy is ask questions. Instead of putting all the facts out there, put your opinion out there and then look at what other people are saying, encourage them to respond. 
Allison, you had uh, your blog post yesterday set a record on Roundpeg for the, the uh, most comments. What did you do in that blog post that you think created engagement? Well, the blog post that Lorraine is referencing is uh, something on a slightly controversial topic. It was called Six Ways You Know That Your Social Media Rock Star Is Full of Crap. Um, typically, I don't recommend cursing, but I thought I could get away with that little mild word. Um, basically, I was stirring the pot. I was provoking people. Now, not in a mean way, not in a you-all-suck kind of way, but in a this is information that you need to know when you're evaluating hiring a social media professional. Get people talking. Get them, get them fired up about something for good or bad, and they'll talk, start talking to you. I think you have to um, be prepared that people are going to disagree with you. And I think it actually is okay when they do. I love it when people disagree. I think it makes it so much more interesting than if everyone's just going, great blog post, great blog post, great blog post. I want to hear what you really thought about it. What, what rang true and what rang false? What isn't true in your world? One of the other things is that you really need to um, reward and acknowledge the people that have commented on your blogs. I, I say this very often, that, that blogging is about ego. And so when someone puts a comment, acknowledge what they say. Respond to what they say. Jay, when you are either looking at our blog or commenting on other people's blogs, what kind of things do you see that help people get involved? Uh, typically, the way that I like to engage people on a blog, if I find something interesting or relevant that I want to comment on, the first thing that I'll do is acknowledge the validity of things that I agree with in the post. I think it's important to make sure that you're respectfully disagreeing. And too often, if you're hiding behind a computer screen, it's easy to come off as mean-spirited. So I think one thing, and, and Allison will, would probably agree with blogging eti etiquette, is making sure that people realizing that you're disagreeing respectfully. It's fine to disagree, but make sure that people know you're being polite about it. I think the other thing is, um, if you want to increase engagement on your blog, you have to engage on other people's blogs. And I think following the same advice, doing more than just saying great post, but adding value. Um, I loved your opinion on this, but here's some things I was thinking. So you can, you can agree, but add value. The other thing is to cross-link back and forth. Um, what does cross-linking mean? Ah, when, um, when I find an interesting blog that I agree or disagree with, um, putting a comment on my blog with a link back. Um, also, with, because I, we use WordPress, we can um, do what's called a track back, where I can put a note, put the website that I'm referencing, and then that person will know I'm talking about them on my website. They'll get an email that says there's a track back to your website, and they'll be able to see that we're talking about them. Blogging is about ego, and it's about community. It's about making connections. So I guess one of the questions that I think Robbie is maybe asking is how you can initially get people to your blog to start building that community. And I think that one area that really can't be uh, discounted in its importance is the importance of social media. Um, no matter what you're blogging about, you need to be promoting it on social media, at a minimum on LinkedIn so that your connections can see what you're up to and what you know these days. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, it's interesting that as I look at our blog, it goes back and forth in terms of what our biggest source is. Um, on certain days, it is all about um, 
the Facebook connections. If um, Taylor puts a comment on Facebook, we're going to get a lot of traffic from Facebook. If Allison is active on Twitter, we're going to get nice feed from Twitter. Uh, I have found that I get really good results sharing content on Stumble. So a lot of it has to do with where you've built expertise that brings content back to our site. I think you mentioned something really important. Uh, you mentioned Stumble. Actually, what Lorraine's talking about is a utility that's, uh, that's formerly named Stumble Upon. You can go to stumbleupon.com, and what it is is essentially a toolbar that works off of your likes and dislikes. So for instance, if I'm setting up my profile, I can say that I'm interested in public relations, I'm interested in small business, I'm interested in marketing or logos or whatever it might be, and StumbleUpon will give me content based on what I said I'm interested in. So what you can do is you can go in and what's called like it on Stumble. It's not dissimilar to what you do on Facebook. And then that, it will get into the stream and be delivered to people who are interested in what you're blogging about. And that is a really great way to bring new lifeblood to your blog and really boost your numbers, which in turn can boost your Alexa ranking, which in turn can boost your Google ranking. So it all feeds back together. Cool. And I think that knowing the audience that you want to engage with when you're reaching out on social media is huge. We know that if we do a graphic design project or a branding project, it makes natural sense for Taylor to talk about it on Facebook because it's such a visual medium that we know we'll get a lot of conversation going based off of that. Likewise, if Lorraine wants feedback from business professionals that she's connected to, she's going to be quicker to post that on LinkedIn. So she's reaching out to the right audience at the right time. Absolutely. Cool. We had another question. Yes, Ms. Amanda Williams asked, is blogging a two-way conversation or is it just about pushing information? Oh, I, I think the best blogs are conversations. I think that for a lot of small businesses, I think they start as one way. I think it's a way to provide information about what's going on in your business. It's a way of sharing your expertise. But the most interesting blogs are the ones that, well, I take it back. There is one exception that I'm going to talk about in a minute. But mostly interesting blogs are the ones that engage in conversations. The one exception, I read Seth Godin's blog, and I read it fairly often. I don't read it every day because you can only handle so much Seth. Um, his blog posts are short, they're informative, they're funny, and they do not accept comments. Seth Godin is not interested in conversation. He's not active on Twitter. He, for all of his conversations about permission-based marketing and getting to know customers, at least through his blog and his Twitter, he's built up enough expertise and enough following that he really is not using these tools for social media, and, and he's not using them for engagement. See, I'm going to disagree with Lorraine here because I hate Seth Godin. <laughs> Um, I think that he is pompous and irritating, and I know that's an unpopular position. He's uh, extremely successful, many, many books under his belt. He gets uh, probably more views in a day on his website than Round Peg has in the entire lifetime of the site. But I don't like him. I find his closed-door policy to be very off-putting. It's essentially saying, I don't care what you have to say. I don't think that what you say is important to me. That's why I always, always, always advocate keeping those comments turned on on your blog. Don't be that jerk who only wants to play in his walled garden and no one can talk to him. Welcome the conversation and embrace the dissent. 
And I think that, that what I can take away from Allison's points is that blogging is the start of a relationship with a potential customer. Because of the way that Seth Godin has chosen not to interact with a reader as voracious as Allison, he has uh, sabotaged his relationship with her. And you risk sabotaging those same relationships if you don't practice inviting and engaging conversation with your, with your readers. I, and I think the, the thing with Seth is you're right. He's, I don't think he is interested in um, the conversations. I would not advocate that strategy for any business that's starting out. Um, I think his business is in a different place. Um, I think he's got enough books and enough information that um, he doesn't feel that he needs that. And I do still like a lot of his content. So, um, you know, I do go back. I do read it. Um, but the truth is I probably read Copy Blogger and Pro Blogger and Social Media Explorer and uh, Jason Falls and Chris Brogan much more often because they will engage me in conversations. I think that this, this whole line of conversation brings up another uh, difficult point. What if someone does post something negative on my blog? What if they're criticizing me and my business and saying, I had a horrible experience with you, you all suck, what should I do? Should I delete that? Um, unless they are incredibly profane, you know, and, and, and I think you do draw the line at, at, at profanity, but if somebody expresses a legitimate complaint, I think that is the best thing that can happen to any business. Because what it is is a customer coming to you, giving you an opportunity to show how good you are, to address an issue and to make it right. The idea that you can turn off the comment, an angry customer is just going to go somewhere else. If I can't tell you that you've screwed up, I will tell someone else and hope that you hear. And so when you put it on my blog, you give me an opportunity to say, I'm sorry. And that's the first thing. I'm sorry that you had an unpleasant experience. I'm sorry that we couldn't help, didn't help. And then attempt to make it right. And in many cases, attempting to make it right is simply saying, I'm sorry that you're unhappy. Please call. I would like to discuss it. You do not have to publicly solve customer service issues. If you can, that's great. But if you can't, um, I'm sorry, that's not the kind of experience. Would like to learn more. Please call me so we can address it. And, and demonstrate to the community that you're making an effort to, um, to address it. Some people just have an ax to grind. Um, you're not going to make them happy. And if you've reached out and they continue to harp, then what I would recommend is engage some of your friends and ask them to support you. Um, and very often, if you have an engaged community, that is exactly what will happen. Yeah, I, I'm not someone who uh, will tell you that I never screw up. I screw up a lot. But I take a lot of pride in my willingness to admit I screwed up and do whatever it takes to quickly respond. And that's why I think that our clients see value in what we do. And I think that social media gives you an overwhelming opportunity to do that same thing, regardless of your business. We talked about a lot of high-level stuff, what to do once you have your blog up and running, but how do you actually get there? How do you get your blog started? I think you have some great choices. Um, 
Personally, I think the two big ones are using either Blogger or WordPress.com as a foundation. If you don't have a website and you're just looking for a searchable presence, if you don't really care too much about what it looks like, Blogger is a great alternative. It's very simple. It is a uh, Google product, and so it indexes well. But if part of what you're trying to do is get the site to look good, I'm going to say go to WordPress. If you have a website, I'm going to encourage you to embed the blog on your website as opposed to doing it as a standalone so that all of the SEO benefits of a blog roll to your website. Um, and, and then that way um, it becomes kind of an integral part of your site. Um, other questions? Other questions. Uh, one question that we get all the time is, is folks don't understand how uh, blogging can help with search engine optimization or really, in essence, appearing on those, that first page or second page of Google. And uh, typically what we say is, is the three R's is what blogging gives you, and that's recency, relevancy, and related links. Recency is how recently did you put new content onto your site? Because I know that Google prioritizes uh, more recent content. Secondly, relevancy. Are you talking about what people are looking for? That's huge to make sure that you're talking about what people want to find out more about and you're offering those solutions. And finally, related links, which is a little bit more, com a little bit more complex and higher level. But um, if, do you want to explain related links? Well, it, on related links, I think that the way you want to look at it is that on the Internet, you get judged by the company that you keep. Who are you hanging out with, essentially? And the Internet looks at who links to your website and what websites do you link to as the people that you're hanging out with. That's why when people put comments on your website and they have a link back to their website, it adds credibility for both of you. When you reference someone's website in a blog post, it adds credibility for them and for you as well. And I also think that um, citing sources in your website, in addition to adding credibility, it also gives you content to work off of. Generating that original content isn't always such a chore when you're giving your take on what another expert in your field thinks. Um, something else that, that I hear all the time is that people, experts, don't feel like they have the time to blog. And um, I, I'd like to throw this to the one person I know that has absolutely no time which is Lorraine. I know that Lorraine uh, typically never has any free time, but she manages to have a new blog post every day. So, Lorraine, how do you manage that? Well, there's a couple of things that I do, and then I'm also going to let Allison talk about it because she's blogging for a lot of our clients. What I do is I'll sit down on a Saturday or a Sunday, and I'll review a lot of things that I've tagged during the week. And I will... Um, write all of my blog posts at once. Um, I bookmark things. I, I happen to use a program called webnotes.net that allows me to, when I see an article, if a thought pops in my head, I can put a short note there that actually starts the blog post. Um, I also like to in, intersperse uh, podcasts and um, videos. And I really look for the lessons in everything. I, I sort of am a student of life and um, kind of like to mix up the content. 
Allison, I want to ask you, though, because you do a lot of blogging for our clients, and you write about everything from personal injury law to um, uh, third-party financing to uh, computer games. How do you kind of switch hats and start writing about some of that? Well, you definitely do have to work with a bunch of different parts of your brain, but one place that I love to get started is with the news. Um, Google News searches are my friend. Um, pretty much that is where I start my day when it comes to blogging. Um, do a search on something that's relevant in your industry. Um, so for instance, for us, maybe we would want to be looking at what's going on in marketing. Maybe we would want to be up on what are the big scandals, what's the big news, what's interesting and going on. The other thing that I like to do is monitor social media. Find what people are talking about. So Twitter and Facebook are both great methods. And finally, the last thing that I would do, use your personal experience. Uh, one place that I love to start blog posts for Roundpeg is what are my customers asking me on a frequent basis? What, do the, what, are, what is the one question that keeps coming up? If, the, if my clients are wondering about it, chances are someone out there is wondering about it too. And some of my favorite blog posts actually started because of something silly or funny that happened around here. If Allison's most popular blog post is the six uh, ways to know that a social media rock star isn't one, Jay's most popular blog post has something to do with Ninja Turtles. Yeah, you know, I, I stand by that post because I loved it so much. But uh, growing up, you know, I watched the Ninja Turtles every Saturday morning. And as time has gone on, we, we took some personality tests throughout the office that uh, showed us a little bit more about how we interact with each other and who we are. And I had this idea that we are really closely related to the Ninja Turtles with our personality styles. So really quickly, we were able to make a podcast and put it on, put it on the blog, and, and it received a lot of traffic because I was talking about something I was passionate about, and that made blogging so easy for me. So is what you're saying that you're passionate about Ninja Turtles? I honestly could not be more passionate about the Ninja Turtles than, than I am. <laughs> and I think that's, um, that was probably one of the hardest things for me to get used to, was the relaxed tone of the blog. If you go back, I well, I've been blogging for five years, and my early blog posts, they are stiff to say the least. They're, they're very professional, they're very business-like, but there's not a lot of me in them. And so in the early days, I had an indie biz blog, and then I added the Round Tech blog, and then I had a blog just for Lorraine Ball. And that's where I was more personal and I had more fun. I have not blogged as Lorraine Ball on that website for probably two years because I began to realize about two years ago that the posts on Roundhead that were getting the most interaction were the ones where a little bit of who I am came through. I'm not nearly as flip as I might be on Facebook or Twitter, but there is a little bit of my sense of humor, a little bit of my sarcasm that comes through on some of the posts. Are there any parts of yourself that maybe you shouldn't put out there? This is, um, Roundpeg is a business blog, and, and the advice I give most of my, um, my business owners when they're looking at a blog is 
Don't say anything you wouldn't say at a Chamber of Commerce event. Don't say anything you wouldn't say at a crowded cocktail party. Um, this is not a beer bash. This is a business event. Um, I typically encourage people to stay away from things that are really not related to their business. Um, religion and politics is usually a lose-lose. Yes, if you take a strong stand on those issues, some people will like you, and a lot of people won't. Um, while I may not want to spend a lot of time with someone with an opposing view, um, I am a capitalist, and Republicans, Democrats, liberals, conservatives, libertarians all have money. Um, and I think that another question that we get a lot of, and we touched on it just a little bit earlier, was uh, the expanding use of multimedia in blogs. It's not just a series of written blog posts anymore, which um, I would love to know a little bit more about what you guys think about multimedia or blogs that has multimedia when you go to it. Well, I'm kind of an odd bird on this one. I recognize that many, many people enjoy listening to podcasts like this, watching videos, etc., on blogs, and that's why I recognize the importance of having them on your blog. But for me, I hardly ever listen to them or watch them. And the reason is, most of the time when I'm doing my business blog reading, I'm at work. And perhaps I don't want a video blaring out while my coworker's on the phone or my boss is wondering nearby and wondering why that blog post isn't done yet. So one of the ways I think that if you're looking at your own blog, because I do like video, I like pictures, I like podcasts, one of the ways to accommodate someone who's more visual like I am, um, someone who, who, who likes the pictures, and also accommodate Allison is if you're going to use video, if you're going to use podcast, you also need to have a short summary of the content in the blog post as well. That way, if Allison hits the site, sees the content, and she is intrigued, she may come back later. But at least she knows a snippet of what it's about. The other benefit is at least for right now, Google doesn't see pictures or video. Now, they're getting better at it. Um, there's, there's definitely some new indexing software that they're working on that may change that. But at least for now, if you want Google to index your content, if it's not word-based, creating um, a written backup is, is, a, is part of it. Um, we're sort of getting to the end of the show. It, it's... Uh, almost been 30 minutes. Any last thoughts or advice? Well, I just want to touch on very briefly why you should blog. We've kind of been taking it for granted that it's important to do so. I think that one of the biggest reasons is to connect with your customers on a human level. Just doing ad copy is not always effective. Let people see that you're a real person with failings and personality and interests and passions. Don't always just push your business. Be a person. And I think uh, coming away from, from this and, and what I've learned through my experience working with people who blog is be professional but understand that your voice is going to develop organically. Uh, just like Lorraine said, she, she was very professional and very stiff at first, but the conversations really occur when we're being ourselves and people get a peek into what we're really like. So don't be afraid to be yourself. Let your voice develop organically, and I'm sure you'll see a lot more conversations come out of that. Cool. Uh, 
I hope that you've enjoyed um, our first podcast. I know that our sound quality is probably not as good as we would like, so I hope that you hung in and listened with us. We're going to continue to do this. I'd love some feedback if you had a chance to listen to the show, what you liked, what you didn't like, what you'd like to see us talk about in the weeks to come. So if you'd like more information about us, they can go to www.roundpeg.biz. You can go on our blog, look for more than a few words. You'll see links to this and some of our older podcasts. Again, this has been our first live cast for more than a few words, a marketing podcast for small business owners. Thanks for listening.